two Michaels back home after a nearly three-year detention in China. And for more on that, let's welcome in Ben Rosewell, president of the Canadian International Council, who joins us now here on Global News Radio. Ben, good afternoon. Appreciate your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on your show. All right, let's start with the uh, latest. Uh, China, kind of overnight, early this morning here, they uh, continue to deny that these arrests of the two Michaels were retaliatory. And they went as far, uh, Ben, as to say that uh, Canada, we we essentially were doing the dirty work of the U.S.? It's really hard to claim that these are not retaliatory. It's kind of astonishing what the Chinese government can can claim when they don't have a free press to keep them in check, I suppose. It was painfully obvious that it was uh, that it was hostage diplomacy. Normally, they would have saved face by at least waiting for a few weeks before releasing one Michael and maybe the other. But to do it on exactly the same day that their detainee in Canada admitted to financial wrongdoing, essentially admitted to the, the crimes that had been attributed uh, to her, says exactly the opposite. This was, this was very much uh, linked to the uh, to the Meng Wanzhou affair. Doing the, as for doing the, doing the dirty dirty work for the United States, you know we have a treaty obligation. Um, this is something that China struggles with, but we have an obligation to partners that we sign treaties with when they ask for us to extradite someone who's charged uh, criminally in their system. We don't ask questions uh, about uh, about it. We have to implement the the extradition request. It's called the rule of law. Um, it's not dirty work. So where does this leave Canada-China relations, not only today, Ben, but uh, in, into the future? Well, they're damaged in a way that will take years and years for the People's Republic of China to, to recover from. They have, uh, they have done a great disservice to Canada and to uh, really any other uh, country in the world that does um, believe in the rule of law with the, uh, with the 1,020 days that they detained two innocent men. Um, it will take quite a long time for the Chinese to recover this. The bulk of Canadian opinion has turned quite heavily against uh, China. They have paid a heavy price for their uh, their aggressive diplomacy in this case. Um, and it'll be, I, I can't imagine the relationship returning to the kind of optimism of the early, uh, of the early Trudeau years for a long time. I do hope on the Canadian side um, that, now that this one principal high-level irritant has been removed and we've got uh, at least these, these two very prominent detainees back, that we can now be more um, proactive and more ambitious in some of the other issues that we, uh, that we address in the relationship. There's been a whole agenda that's been either on pause or where Canada's position is being sort of downplayed or kept quiet so as not to complicate the drive um, to get the two Michaels home. So with that over now, uh, it's time for us to step up the plate on these other issues, on the state of Hong Kong, on the state of the Uyghurs, on uh, a decision on Huawei and the 5G networks, on China's moves in the South, uh, South China Sea. Like It's time for Canada now to step up to the plate um, and take more of a leadership role on some of those issues. And to that end, our Foreign Affairs Minister, Mark Garneau, he is set to speak in front of the United Nations uh, later this afternoon. As a matter of fact, uh, less than two hours from now, I believe he's uh, scheduled to uh, make a speech. Uh, do you expect him to take that uh, opportunity to maybe mention a few of the things that you just did uh, here? Would this be a, a good opportunity, a good chance for Mr. Garneau to, to step up and, and really, uh, as you mentioned just a second ago, Ben, I guess kind of uh, strengthen Canada's position when it comes to uh, China? I, w- I would hope so, and I would hope he go further to some extent. I mean, Canada's been on the defensive in its foreign policy 
and it's pretty early on in the Trudeau years. You know, the uh, Trudeau came in with uh, you know claims that Canada's back and uh, got us into the Paris Accord and had sort of an ambitious multilateral agenda. And then we got hit by the election of Donald Trump and his threat to rip up NAFTA. And for two years, there was really uh, you know, all of Canadian foreign policy was dominated by that one issue. By 2018, with the arrest of the two Michaels, uh, our, our foreign policy has kind of been taken hostage by the, the, the drive to bring them those two home. Well, we succeeded in those two. You know, we protected NAFTA. We brought the two Michaels home. I think it's time for us to step up to the plate with a more serious foreign policy across the board. I mean, think about what all of the other countries are talking about at the UN this week, about the global fight against COVID. What's Canada doing? Not a whole lot. We're not sharing vaccines with the rest of the world, except in very, very marginal amounts. Climate change, you know, we've got some of the least ambitious targets. We haven't met any of our targets in the past. On, you know, issues across the political spectrum, think about the the broader um, geopolitical context. What is Canada doing about that? What are we doing to, you know, create a more of a presence in the Arctic? Like, Minister Garneau today has an opportunity to say, finally, we got this really tough issue behind us worked out our way. We, we stood our ground. We did not make any concessions to, to, to China. We stood by the rule of law. Now, here's what we're going to do with the rest of the international agenda. That's what I'm hoping for. Now, tangibly, is there anything that Canada can do and what should our next moves be in regard to uh, China? Uh, online, there's all kinds of calls, uh, Ben, for things like economic uh, boycotts, people saying they will no longer purchase anything with the label made in China. Uh, again, kind of tangibly, what do you think uh, Canada's I mean, next move or first move uh, should be? So Minister Garneau has already given some hint about the new policy framework, the way that Canada, the Canadian government approaches China that will compete in certain areas, will cooperate in others, will, um, uh, there'll be, you know, there'll be conflict where, where necessary. I think it's time for him to flesh that out in a little bit uh, more detail. What are we going to do on Huawei? Are we going to allow uh, Huawei to operate a 5G system inside, uh, inside Canada? There's a lot of discussion now about Taiwan. This is a fellow liberal democracy, shares all of our values. Um, there's uh, a move afoot to have Taiwan as this responsible international player uh, recognized, its role recognized in the multilateral organizations. Does Canada stand by that, stand by a liberal democracy, or are we going to continue to, uh, to, um, uh, to follow Beijing's lead uh, on that? And then there's some really significant human rights issues um, with, with the Uyghurs. I mean, this, is, this has been declared by our parliament, by the parliaments of many countries around the world, to be a genocide, a cultural genocide. And that's the kind of word that you don't just say and then kind of ignore or, you know, carry on as if nothing's changed in the world. Like if we have found as a nation through our parliament, our elected representatives, that a genocide is taking place somewhere in the world, we've got to do something about that. There were some interesting ideas in the campaign about making sure that supply chains that reach or products that reach Canada don't have any slave labor from uh, from Xinjiang province in, in China. It was a conservative party idea, but one that, you know, now the governments are reelected, they can they can take that idea and run with it. There's a, I think there's a, a tremendous amount of um, options before Canada as one of the larger countries. You know, we're not, we're not the United States, but we are one of the larger countries in the world and a country that has just stood up to China uh, on, a, on a really high profile political dispute. It's time for us to, um, you know, now that we've, and found our voice uh, on China to start using it. 
Just finally, Ben, uh, all of us, uh, all of Canada, obviously elated, very happy to see the two Michaels uh, back home. But some fear that this episode with the two Michaels is just the latest example of, quote unquote, hostage diplomacy. And I wanted to explore that a little bit with you here just in our final uh, minutes or so. Uh, Can you explain that a bit for us? And do you think that maybe this hostage diplomacy isn't on the rise? I think uh, the way that the case was resolved um, serves as a disincentive for any other authoritarian state that wants to practice hostage diplomacy. China did not get what it wanted. Uh, it took these these two innocent men prisoner in order to put pressure on the Canadian government to intervene in the case of Meng Wanzhou, and the Canadian government did not intervene. We did not give an inch in this. We let the legal system operate independently as it should in the rule of law. So in this one particular case, it certainly was an attempt to practice hostage diplomacy, but it failed to meet its objectives. And in the meantime, China lost a tremendous amount of face around the world. I mean, the, the global opinion about China is far more negative now in 2021 than it was in 2018 for a whole bunch of reasons, but partially because of its practice of hostage diplomacy. But we shouldn't take, um, you know, shouldn't sit on our laurels, as it were. One of the more innovative and impactful actions that the Trudeau government took was to organize a very large group of countries to denounce hostage uh, diplomacy. They've made a statement. I think it can go farther and deepen that and turn it into a treaty with um, with very firm consequences, including sanctions, freezing of assets, or that sort of thing, Magnitsky-style sanctions against any government officials in other countries that practice hostage diplomacy. I think it's time now that we have put an end to this one egregious example of hostage diplomacy to nip it in the bud and to make sure that the rest of the, the other authoritarians out there who might be thinking about playing this kind of game will be stopped in their tracks the next time they try. All right, Ben, really, really appreciate the time with us this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure. Ben Rosewell is the president of the Canadian International Council. And we're back after this break here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.